I'd like to share just a few uh, remarks and a story with you before we begin the music tonight, if I may. Christmas is a time when we celebrate how the greatness of God comes to us in small and ordinary ways. When we hear the Christmas story, we do, of course, marvel at the extraordinary, such as visitations of angels and foreign kings from the East. But we often marvel even more that these supernatural encounters coincide with such ordinary people facing familiar difficulties, such as overbooked hotels, pregnancy, and tax registration. It is this intersection of the human and the divine where the mundane meets the incredible that charges the Christmas story with astounding incongruities. We see dazzling cherubim appearing next to rough herdsmen. We smell costly frankincense and myrrh mingling with the earthy aromas of sweat and wood shavings in a carpenter's cottage. We hear angelic songs mixed with the bleeding of sheep and even the anguished cries of a young mother in labor. And in all this, we sense the incredible possibility that God Himself longs to commune with people as ordinary as you and me. Yet it's so contrary to our expectations that sometimes we struggle to put it all together. One Christmas several years ago, my wife Amanda set up a nativity set in our living room shelf. My eight-year-old son, Christopher, watched with interest as his mother unpacked the figurines and explained to him who each of them were. Later that day, we noticed a troubled look on his face as he alternately studied the rustic wooden stable and the richly attired wise men on their camels. Finally, he asked, where are the rocks? Amanda and I exchanged puzzled glances. Christopher was diagnosed with autism as a young child, so we had come to expect a unique perspective from him, but it's still somehow always a surprise. Where are the rocks, he repeated. The rocks, I said. Yes, he replied. The Bible says that the wise man built his house on the rock. I wanted to explain to him that actually the Rock of Ages was indeed present in that humble stable and that wise men still build upon it. But at the time, this would have been too far outside of his very practical way of thinking. Yet while you and I may have different questions than Christopher, isn't it really true for all of us that our frames of reference are challenged by the surprising ways in which the Lord of Heaven chooses to reach for us? It's hard to comprehend that the maker of the universe would begin his sojourn in our world as a miraculous tiny embryo conceived inside an otherwise perfectly normal Hebrew maiden. In 2016, an intriguing discovery about human conception made headlines in the scientific world. According to a study published in the journal Scientific Report, scientists had discovered that a brilliant flash of light takes place at the exact moment a baby is conceived. Called the zinc spark, the phenomenon is described as a microscopic display of fireworks. Through a process called fluorescence microscopy, the spark of life was even captured on video. I found it fascinating that light was associated with the creation of a new life. 
I suppose it has always been so, for we read that in the beginning the earth was formless and void, and God said, let there be light. In the stirring introduction to his gospel, the Apostle John similarly tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and that all things were made through the Word, for the Word was God Himself. John continues, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. He was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. And so we're gathered here tonight to celebrate the special night when a little spark illumined the dark streets of a forgotten village called Bethlehem as the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who would have imagined that this newborn lying in a feed trough was the light of the world, that he was the one of whom the prophets had said, the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Caravans of camels will come from Sheba. They will bring gold and frankincense and will come worshiping the Lord. Yet all this and more has come to pass. Two thousand years later, here we are, still celebrating and following the brightness of His light. All this reminded me of a storybook that my father-in-law gave to my children a few years ago. Most of you know my father-in-law as Brother Blair Adams, the founder of our community here at Homestead Heritage. Dad was the most well-read man I've ever met, and he loved to give quality books to his kids and his grandkids. The title of this one was Abby Against the Storm. Some of you will remember that he shared some of this story in a church meeting around that same time. It's the true story of a girl named Abby Burgess, whose father was installed as the lighthouse keeper on Matinicus Rock off the coast of Maine in 1853. Her mother was an invalid, and the whole family, including Abby's two younger sisters and one older brother, lived in the only dwelling on the tiny island, an old house adjacent to the 48-foot stone lighthouse tower. Abby loved to help her father fill the beacon lamps with oil, trim the wicks, and polish the reflecting mirrors. One windy winter day, just a few weeks after Christmas, her father announced that he could wait no longer. He must take their small boat and sail to the mainland for supplies. The ship scheduled to bring them supplies back in September had never come, and they were running dangerously low on food, lamp oil, and medicine for Abby's mother. Mr. Burgess feared that the Maine winter would soon set in in earnest, preventing any more trips to shore until spring. Abby's brother was out to sea on a fishing trip, and her mother was bedridden, so her father charged Abby with the responsibility to care for her mother and in the event that he was unable to return before nightfall to keep the lighthouse beacons burning through the night. He reminded her that many ships attempting to navigate into the harbor relied upon the lighthouse to show the way. If the lights went out, many lives could be lost. Abby said, Daddy, I don't think I'm ready for this. Her father answered, Abby, there's no one else to do it. Just obey everything I've taught you, and you're going to be okay. She swallowed hard and accepted the mission. His last words to her as he pushed off from shore were, Keep the lights burning, Abby. No sooner had her father's boat slipped out of sight between the distant waves 
Then the wind picked up even stronger. She soon realized that it would be impossible for her father to return that day on the increasingly turbulent seas. So Abby climbed the lighthouse tower and meticulously went through all the duties her father had taught her until the lamps were blazing their protective signal out across the black, agitated waters of the North Atlantic. Her father didn't return the next day, or the next, or the next. Instead, the weather continued to escalate into the storm of the century. Soon, the waves were so large that some of them crashed over the top of Matinicus Rock. When the ocean began surging over the threshold of the house, Abby rallied her little sisters to help her carry their mother and their meager provisions up into the lighthouse tower. The fury of the storm seemed to erase all boundaries. Darkness descended, and day became indistinguishable from night. Abby worked hard to keep the lights burning constantly. The freezing temperatures made it especially difficult to keep the sluggish oil flowing to the lamps. She diligently polished the mirrors to perfection, always thinking of her brother and others who might be out on that open sea, straining to see their way into the harbor. Her father had long taught her that a smoke-stained mirror or a frosted windowpane could mute the light just enough that some distant sailor would fail to see it and be lost. At times, she had to crawl out onto the tower's narrow catwalk, fighting the bitter gale, to scrape the ice accumulation off of the window glass. When the sea rose to the point that it constantly covered the little island, Abby decided she must rescue the only other living creatures on the island, their little flock of chickens. Her mother worried that she shouldn't attempt it, but when Abby perceived a slight break in the waves, she splashed out to the coop through the frigid, knee-deep ocean water. She charged back into the tower with the hens in her arms and slammed the heavy door just in time to hear her little sister standing in an upper window screaming to watch out for the worst wave yet. The monster wave swamped the entire island, obliterating the chicken coop and sweeping the old house off its foundations and into the roiling sea. Only the tower remained standing. Thankfully, nearly 30 years before, a wise man had built this granite lighthouse on the rock, and though the winds and the rain came and the floods rose and beat against it, the house on the rock stood firm. For a solid week, the storm raged, and for a solid week, Abby kept the lights burning day and night. She was so consumed with tending the lighthouse that she sometimes felt as if she had become the lighthouse. At times, she wondered if there was anyone out there to benefit from her efforts. Even after the storm abated, the seas remained too rough for Abby's father to return. The little family's meager store of food was now almost completely exhausted, But the chickens Abby had rescued now, in turn, rescued her and her family from hunger, for the hens faithfully kept laying right through the tempest, providing a daily supply of eggs. After more than three weeks, Mr. Burgess finally made it back to the island, bringing food, medicine, and news. Only then did Abby learn that dozens of ships had escaped the onslaught of the record-breaking storm and made it safely into the harbor, guided by the steady lighthouse beacon. With tears, her father told her what a constant comfort it had been to him, that every time he peered through the tempest, 
he could see that his family was alive and well, for the lights were still burning on Matinicus Rock. Tonight, we're gathered to celebrate the humble entrance of the light of the world, as it first flickered to life in a manger long ago. Yet that single flame ignited in Bethlehem was never intended to animate and guide only one human life. For that one life was intended to light another and another until an entire constellation of light was shining across the earth. So that baby grew into the man who not only said, I am the light of the world, but went on to say, you are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When Jesus departed from the rugged little island of this world, he charged his followers to obey his instructions and keep the lights burning until his return. And just as he had promised, that light soon spread to a multitude as tongues of fire came to rest on hundreds and then thousands on the day of Pentecost. So the miracle of Christmas was multiplied as the same spirit that had overshadowed Mary now came upon them all and the newborn body of Christ entered the world. This church was to be a lighthouse built on the rock against which even the gates of hell would not prevail. The centuries since then have seen a lot of storms, waves of persecution, winds of cultural upheaval, even the doldrums of prosperity have all taken their toll. At times, the light has all but disappeared from view. But down through history, every time honest and humble people have encountered the spark of the anointed Word of God, the miracle of Christmas is conceived once again. And as the day star rises in their hearts, through these willing vessels, He once again radiates peace on earth and goodwill toward all men. We're indebted to many faithful lighthouse keepers who have come and gone before us, passing the torch to those who would follow. Earlier this year, our beloved Brother Blair was called home to the mainland after faithfully tending the lights for 50 years. Countless vessels owe their safe arrival in the harbor to his diligent labors. But tonight, should we not ask ourselves how many more ships are out on those waters whose destiny may depend on your light or mine? In view of the unprecedented events of just the past couple years, it seems that now more than ever, the whole world is entering uncharted waters, a turbulent season of winter storms when the love of many will wax cold and the oil may not flow easily. So I believe the pressing question of our times is, who will give what it takes to keep the lights burning? May we be inspired tonight to answer that call as we remember once again the amazing story of how it all began with ordinary people like you and me and an incredible Savior who chose to become like us that we might reflect His glory. Thank you again for coming tonight. Please scrape off the ice, polish your mirror, trim your wick, turn on the oil, and join with us as we seek to shine the true light of Christmas a little brighter through our praises tonight.
Perhaps all of us together can generate enough candle power to send forth a beacon of hope in troubled times. And until Bethlehem's child returns or calls us home, let's keep the lights burning.